Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Ha! Oh, I have the most exciting news, everyone. Tonight I am eating dinner at the cafe. Oh, gee, that's pretty exciting. Tonight I'm driving home in the car. <laughs> you want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me for the seventh episode of season five is returning guest from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois, Brandon Davis. How's it going? Just doing great, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, as, as you mentioned before we started, I, it's a little surreal to me that I'm already this deep into season five and what what this season will mean for the life of Cheers as a show and for this podcast. Like, I think Abs- I'm committed. Like, I, I think I have to go all the way now. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is a uh, well, this is a pivotal season no matter what. I mean, mm-hmm. but still, it's the uh, it's the end of the first era of Cheers. And then, yeah, you uh once you start season six, you're in the second era. One, one episode at a time. One episode <laughs> at a time. Otherwise, it gets too big for me to imagine. But, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, we are talking about the episode Young Dr. Weinstein. This episode is written by Fief Sutton, directed by James Burroughs. And the original air date was Thursday, November 13th, 1986. Diane is excited that her date managed to score reservations at The Cafe, the most exclusive and prestigious French restaurant in Boston. Sam is sure that he could get a table there any night solely based on his local celebrity. But he is embarrassed to learn how little the name Mayday Malone means in the upscale circle. Unwilling to be shamed by Diane, Sam calls the cafe to cancel her reservation and tries to insert his own party into her old table. When that too fails, Frazier decides to help Sam by pulling strings with a colleague, a renowned heart surgeon named Dr. Julian Weinstein. Frazier too is forced to confront his lack of notoriety when Dr. Weinstein doesn't remember him. That night at the restaurant, Diane and her date, Jordan Brundage, are informed that their reservation was canceled and their table was taken by Dr. Weinstein himself, who is actually Sam pretending to be the famous surgeon. Diane confronts him, certain that his deceit will be uncovered by his own incompetence. First, Sam places an order, rehearsed by Frazier, to his busboy, and then must convince the chef, who knows Weinstein personally, that he was disfigured in an accident that caused him to look different, and even taller. After dinner, Sam takes pity on Diane, who is still waiting for a table despite her date walking out on her. Sam uses Dr. Weinstein's clout to get Diane a table before closing, Then he feels bad and sends his date, Darlene, home and rejoins Diane at the restaurant. They enjoy a pleasant meal, Sam's second for the evening. But when the checks come, Sam can't pay for his meal, having spent all of his cash on his first dinner. Diane pays for hers and wishes him luck. Sam tries to pay for the dinner on his credit card, a card with Sam Malone's name on it. And when that fails, he's forced to dine and dash. Alrighty, Brandon, what did you think about this episode? I, I've always liked this episode. I think it's a very, uh, it's a very original premise. And it really, to me, it's sort of 
harkens back to almost a season one season two episode by by the time we get to season five i feel like it's much more we're much more of an ensemble now even though sam and diane are still sort of at the center but this with this episode you know the the rest of the bar just get maybe a couple little scenes here and there but this is a sam and diane episode all the way yeah, it very much is. And the the one-upsmanship, this definitely feels like something from an earlier part of their relationship, which is actually kind of a, a nice little reprieve, given that, as I've said for at least six episodes now, I don't like the nature of their relationship at the beginning of this season. <laughs> it's, so, yeah, it's it's starting to feel, because the season four ended at such a crescendo, and then you get to the beginning of season five, and it's it's a bit of just a kind of a letdown, and, and, and you're really kind of not rooting for either one of them, and it takes a little bit through season five just to sort of slowly build them back up. But to me, this is this is classic Sam and Diane, where, you know, the, the, the they're each other's own worst enemies and mm-hmm. they uh they're the reason each other get into these skirmishes but but this is really peak ted danson and shelly long chemistry in this episode right right and i mean when, when we eventually get to favorite character of the episode i i mean it was a toss-up for me going mm-hmm. between the two of them and it's been a while it feels like since i since we've had the kind of episodes where it was like give it to sam or diane as the mvp who could it be like i mean that was that was consistent for a couple of years but it it feels like it's been kind of a while since they were both so equally strong and yeah i mean just like they they've been teasing in other episodes that they even though diane is convinced that they are engaged and they will be married they kind of keep going out on dates with other people sort of to make the other one jealous this time it feels like that's not the case like she's dating a guy with some family name and clout in the city of Boston and it doesn't feel like their their other relationships with Darlene and this Jordan guy are meant to make the other person jealous they're just seeing other people there's no mention or hint about the proposal from the beginning of the season and at the end of it when they do come together and have dinner together it's not out of some kind of manipulation or some gamesmanship. It's just because they do love each other. Right. I think, I I think this is an episode where you really see their relationship has evolved somewhat. It regresses at the beginning of season five, but this sort of brings them back to where we sort of see them as people, uh, two people who have a history yet can now coexist with each other. Right. Right. And I'll admit, it surprised me because when I think back on this episode from like a distance, I'm like, oh, Dr. Warren, okay, that's the one where Sam pretends to be this doctor and like to go to like a posh restaurant and he ends up getting exposed at the end. And I kind of, I kind of scoff at it and kind of forget about it. And then when I rewatched, I'm like, no, this is a good one. I like this episode a lot more than I thought. Um, but getting into it, we start with our teaser. Carla is serving a couple, this man and woman, their check. And the, the woman leaves to go like get the car or something. And the man says something like he can't read the check. And he's kind of frustrated. And Carla puts on this whole thing about, oh, my gosh, well, sorry, you can't read my penmanship. Not all of us, you know, get, get to work on that. Some of us have to like work and everything. And she ends up feeling foolish because the woman comes back with her husband's glasses and he couldn't read it, not because of Carla's writing, but because he, you know, couldn't see it. So then Carla has to turn around the act for fear of these two storming out that she, you know, she puts on the pity. She's like, I've had a bad 
day, you know, it's actually been a bad life. She turns on all of the, the pity and they feel so bad that they give her a nice big juicy tip. <laughs> so how does Carla take that? Well, she goes to the next table and instantly throws on the pity of herself to get to get another big tip and this is going to be her act then so <laughs> this is this is one of the great uh teasers mm-hmm. i think of this season and really uh, when i think about it i think uh, carla is one of the characters that is most suited for the teasers because she's one of those people where she you know Rhea Perlman's so good at walking in doing a great one-liner and getting off and you know teasers of course are built on that and so she's great at these little sketch-like vignettes that they do at the beginning Carla I think uh, you know it's it'd be almost difficult to tally but I would think you know Carla would be the MVP of some of these opening teasers you're right yeah she does seem like she's custom fit for these types of things because like this is like before like as, as much as you want before it gets kind of a, a little bit crazy but mm-hmm. yeah so then we uh, we come back uh, and the episode opens with cliffy coming in announcing to the bar that it is his seventh anniversary as a postal carrier and according to imdb this is a bit of a continuity gaffe uh, which Cheers uh, did not have the strongest continuity. Like, this, <laughs> that's not a big deal. I mean, I say this is a little known fact, but Cheers contradicted itself all the time. I, I don't think many sitcoms from the 80s had big continuity. <laughs> no, no, not really, yeah. Um, but he, according to IMDb, uh, Cliff is celebrating his seventh year, but last season he told Norm that he was postman for 11 years. Mm-hmm. So that goes to a line and it's like one of my favorite little bits where they do because cliffy goes yeah can you imagine seven years carrying the bag around and norm goes yeah i know the feeling <laughs> the the you know don't even have to mention her by name but just the re- reference to Vera. and burroughs does this great thing where he cuts away from them to fraser at the other end of the bar laughing and it's one of my favorite little things about Cheers that just like when you watch it, you kind of notice that when the characters say something funny, the other characters are allowed to react to it. Like yeah. they they live in a world where they are joking and picking on each other and making these like laugh. Like it's it's a real diegetic type of humor style and and i love just seeing sometimes reactions to it and most of all like throughout the life of the series i don't think anybody does it better or more consistently than fraser no like kelsey Grammer is just great at listening to norman cliff be morons and just laughing or or rolling his eyes sometimes well and as i've been re-watching these early episodes of season five you know this is the first season where uh fraser's really now engrossed as part of the gang in the bar you know last season he was kind of making the transition a little bit but now kelsey Grammer's a full-on co-star mm-hmm. he's a member of the bar so i think they're really burrows when he's doing these different shots is really trying to drive home okay you know fraser's no longer sort of this you know second half of the sam diane triangle now he's a full-blown member of the bar he's one of the gang now right right absolutely yeah um which is good because as as you mentioned there is this b plot and we'll get to it right now but it's pretty thin but it's nice that fraser is a part of it throughout the rest of it like when we see the bar so um the whole the whole b plot sets up that woody wants to be wants to make a name for himself he wants to leave an impression and his idea is that he will be famous for inventing a drink and he's like yeah this is the impression i'm gonna leave and he puts a drink a blue colored drink right in front of norman norm's like it's a glass of windex woody so what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what he, he says like uh, i'll be the next jim sheehan or somebody 
<laughs> like that. Yeah. He's like, you've, you've heard, surely you've heard of the inventor of the fish house punch. And Norm's line is like, well, we, you know, I can't say that we have, but we don't get out that much. <laughs> he, he comes up with his drink and they all taste it and they all say it's delicious. But then it becomes apparent that it's not a, it's not a fresh concoction. It's a blue moon, something that like has been done before. And, and leave it uh, to Carla to know that. Yeah, of course. And Sam is like, you can't invent every every drink has been you could possibly invent has already been done. But what he's undeterred. Um, but would he ask Sam to drink it? And like speaking of continuity, like this actually brings up something that rarely gets mentioned because um, Sam goes, "I thought you knew. I drank myself out of. I, I was an alcoholic." And what he's like, I didn't. I didn't know that, or I. It's hard to believe. He's like, I drank myself out of baseball and a marriage. And the guys are, oh, yeah, yeah, he was really drunk. <laughs> like, they, they quick to jump on that. And Woody goes, no, I believe you were a drunk. I just didn't know you'd been married. I'm trying to think if that, like, has been mentioned since season one. Season one, probably. But, you know, Woody's been working for Sam over a year. I feel like that would have been brought up at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> when I think, I, I can only remember really references to his wife like an early season one episode. like the second episode they yeah. mentioned it and then maybe once towards the end of season one like during the finale or something maybe yeah. i don't remember but i bet throughout the entire history of the show you can count the number of times they mentioned his his ex-wife or that he'd been married on one hand and I, that's I, actually I and that's actually interesting i would think i would think at some point they would make more of that because that's that's just richer character history for sam i'm surprised they didn't incorporate his ex-wife as just you know a recurring character every once in a while because that that would bring you know drama and comedy right Um, just just interesting that they made that choice Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) then Diane gets a, a phone call from her boyfriend. She's very excited. And she says, tonight I am having dinner at the cafe. <laughs> and Sam, Sam's response, tonight I'm driving home in the car. <laughs> One of the best lines in the episode. It is so good. <laughs> and Frazier has to explain, you know, that this is, you know, like a um, prestigious like restaurant it is, how exclusive it is. It's a, it's a real coup to get, to get a table there. He's like, congratulations, Diane. I'm jealous. Uh, and Carla, Carla makes a complaint. She's like, how come they're not, if they're so good, how come they don't come up with a better name? And Diane says, a simple name connotes the great, the best to taste. And Norm goes, I, I agree with you. There's this little place on Route 1 called Eat. <laughs> I wonder how that is compared to the Hungry Heifer. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so Sam is sure that he can get a, a place there once it becomes this like thing that like the special a big deal to Diane. He's like, well, you know, he can't be outdone there. He can he can show off what he what the name made him alone gets him. And he calls up. He's like, yeah, that'll be fine. A table for eight o'clock. That sounds great. And she's like, when did you get in? Next March? He's like, no, February. <laughs> <laughs> and and Fraser's like, you don't want to eat there anyway. The food is overpriced. The waiters are are rude. The portions are too small. And Sam's like, what, you couldn't get in either? He's like, no, not till April. So he's just bitter about it. <laughs> they're also, re- yeah, they're also really yeah. driving home the fact that uh, Frazier might not be the uh, renowned psychiatrist that he makes himself out to be. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, because then then he's like, he'll, he'll uh, see if he can use his connections to his friend, Dr. Julian Weinstein, who, like, Cliff actually knows by name. He's like the heart surgeon. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, we went to prep school together. He's, we dissected our first frog together. He'll do me a favor. 
And then it's embarrassing that Frazier has to spell his own name to the guy or to his help. And it kind of occurred to me then that the the first act, the beginning segment at the bar, Sam, Frazier, and Woody are all kind of dealing with this failure and and this sort of being humbled uh, that they're not as special as they think they are. Right. And I thought that was an interesting theme like that's, that's shared with all three of those characters in this one. Right. Well, and uh, yeah, and I also really like, you, you know, with opening scenes like this, we're also really driving home the fact that, you know, with Frazier trying to help Sam, I've always really liked the friendship that the writers created between Sam and Frazier. There, there's always this um familiarity with the two of them and they always had this respect for each other even when they were romantic rivals yes um, the, the, yeah. there was always a, a, a respect and uh, the, the, they just always liked each other and i mm-hmm. really i really respect that it's one of the uh you, you know as, as close as uh sam is you know with norm or some other buddies in the bar there, there's a respect between him and fraser that he doesn't share with anybody else right right yeah and, and as it goes on, I, I definitely think their their shared history with Diane becomes foundational to right. <laughs> why they why they are so why they're so strong. And the, the, I always make the equa- I make the analogy that they are war veterans. That they, they both <laughs> they both went to war together. They've seen the same horrors. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, even, yeah, yeah. So, and so yeah, once they we then we go back to this restaurant. Um, and Diane and her date go there. They're like, no, I'm sorry. You, you, your reservation was canceled. And they're like, we didn't cancel it. It's like, well, if there's an opening best, we'll, we'll try to get you in before the end of the night. And the major D is not very helpful at all. But then he goes off and he says, Dr. Weinstein, your table. And Sam walks by dressed up in the suit. And he's like, excuse me, walks right by Diane so she can see him. Um, as a very nice reveal. It is. It is. And, you know, when I when I first think of it, I'm like, that's that's a really mean thing for Sam to do. But, you know, she was rubbing it in a lot yeah. um, or, or earlier on. So you can't feel too sorry for Diane. But I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit below the belt for Sam to do. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely over the line for like if it was just something to hurt her. OK, yeah. but like she was going there with another guy like he, he ruined this other guy's like night too. like it was he was kind of like. Yeah, I to call the and cancel the reservations. I think was too and, far. It was too and far. like and like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, both their dates seem like pretty nice, decent people. They aren't kind mm-hmm. of some of the because uh, especially early on, Sam and Diane would go out. The other people they would go out with would seem like sort of uh, caricatures and stereotypes mm-hmm. of different types of people. But these two actually seem like healthy, normal human beings. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> um, speaking of that, this episode actually has a really long guest cast list because we got a lot of a lot of people in here but none of them like basically as i looked at all of their imdb credits it's like yeah they've been in dozens or more small roles on on tv and film like over the decades and everything like that like nobody really jumped out as a as a star or somebody that i i really recognized from other stuff from other stuff yeah yeah not not very many um you know, Cheers is really good at incorporating some of these great character actors, but mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any in this episode. Yeah. Um, Sam's date, Darlene, is played by Christy Summers. Uh, Dr. Fisher, who's sitting at the table next to them, who's got some good parts. He's played by a guy named Dennis Robertson. The Mater D is played by Barry Lewis. The Waiter, uh, played by Joseph uh, Joseph Kell, I think. Uh, Claude, the, the chef, is played by Julian Barnes. 
Jordan is played by Josh Clark. And then the, uh, the customers in the beginning of the episode, Mr. And Mrs. Morton are played by Paul, Luke, uh, Paul, Luke, Luke, ah, Paul Lukather and Melinda Cordell. Hmm. Um, and Melinda Cordell, actually, she was the one person that I did write something on because she ends up appearing in one episode of the Tortellis, which will uh. actually debut later on this season. Uh, in the life of Cheers, uh, a small uh, footnote in TV history. <laughs> and then the the uh, the second customer that Carla went up to during the teaser, played by JJ Wall, he appeared at the very end of season three or season four. Sorry, the Strange Bedfellows. He was one of the reporters at the um, at the press conference that goes disastrously uh, between uh, the the councilwoman and Sam and Diane. Yeah. Uh, once Sam is ready to order, because like Diane is like you is like you can't possibly think you can get away with this. Is you'll you'll be exposed, and he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, I, he's like Fraser taught me like how to order. He he was coached by Fraser, and he delivers this whole spiel of like all of these French entrees and and salads and and appetizers. He mentions this to the guy in the suit next to him, and and Diane is like, congratulations, you just placed your order with the bus boy. <laughs> Sam goes, I know that he's got lips. He can tell the waiter. <laughs> this, I know this is uh, it, when I watch this episode I'm like uh, Sam's getting a lot of great one-liners in here and it's like mm-hmm. you know you can tell he uh, throughout the series Sam um, he he evolves he he evolves in a good way he evolves in a bad way at some point but you could tell like being around Diane he in, in the early seasons he would not know how to be this sophisticated had he not been with Diane for the last four years right right yeah yeah <laughs> Um, cause then once it, once his name, the name Dr. Weinstein has mentioned this other guy, Dr. Fisher at the next table is he introduces himself and he, he's like, uh, you're, you're much younger than I thought. And Sam goes, well, I skipped a couple of grades in med school <laughs> and that's to the, to the other guy's horror. And Sam is like, you gotta have a joke in this line of work. Yeah. You gotta have a sense of humor in this line. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to write down this quote exactly. Cause Fisher goes, where did you come up with the concept of combining antithyroid antithymocyte globulin with cyclosporonate to combat tissue rejection and sam just looking at him like um he just says on the beach (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was actually it's like i was waiting for him to just say like in the bathroom or in the shower or something like that but just on the beach that's where i thought of it yeah uh the the delivery and the reaction together Mm. are just perfect Yes. Once the, the chef is going to come out, he actually panics for a second. He tells his date to get her coat. And then when the guy's like, you're not Dr. Weinstein, he's like, yes, I am. And he has to kind of put like a little bit of a haughtiness in his voice. <laughs> and he mentions like how he was in this accident that, that uh, uh, you know, disfigured him. And thanks to the, the brilliant plastic surgery, he's like, he's like, but you're even a few inches taller. He's like, well, traction. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Oh, oh, man. And then, and then they get a call from Doctor Woody, which is the best, one of the best lines from the Major D. There's a call for you from Doctor Woody because we come back to the uh, the bar for the B plot. Here's where Woody is still trying to make more, trying to invent a drink, and he's throwing out all of these combinations to the other guys, and they're like, "No, that's already been done. That's already been done." Well, and it's yeah, and then of course it's you know Carla trying to make trouble and suggesting that they call. Yeah, exactly. He's like, we're out of scud- we're out of limes or something like that. And she's like, call the good doctor at the restaurant. <laughs> so Sam is on the phone. And he's like, well, there's got to be some. Just check in the box next to the scotch. 
everybody's looking at him. And then when he go, he goes out to talk, and, oh, Diane comes out to the table and she's like, "Doctor, my my date is in need of medical attention." He's like, "My food just got here." <laughs> that might be my home run for the episode. I really, really like that. <laughs> just the way, because again, all of the other doctors and all the other people in the restaurant are looking at him like, "What?" <laughs> it's it's funny for two separate reasons. It's funny with you know in terms of his response to Diane, and then it's just mm-hmm. funny knowing what the other doctors are thinking. Right, right. <laughs> so it's just like I can't help you. My food is here. It's like, what? Didn't you take an oath? <laughs> Uh, Diane pulls him outside and she's like, will you and your date leave so that, so that Jordan and I can have our table and you two can go sashay to the colonels across the street. <laughs> That's an, and, and, and both Ted and Shelley Long in this episode, they're just ping-ponging great delivery and great lines back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you think like a, a line like that, like there were so many opportunities where they could have salvaged this, where they could have said, okay, truce, let's not make anything like, let's just share the dinner together or Sam could have used a pull of Dr. Weinstein to get them a table earlier if he'd been friendly, but they're so mad at each other mm-hmm. at this point because of how embarrassed he felt earlier. And and again, she calls him out again. She's like, you two go to the to go get KFC while we're, you know, trying to get this nice meal and everything. And he's offended by her and maybe rightly so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit, <laughs> but, but also just the, just the poetry of that line, sashay your way over to the colonels is one of the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the last part of the B plot, when he's still trying to make some other drinks, and Fraser says, "You promised you'd stop after the rum and trail mix." <laughs> <laughs> I get just the visual of, of of Woody doing rum and trail mix, is... <laughs> yeah, which, which he insists was just a palate cleanser. <laughs> so he makes this drink, and they all taste it, and they're all like, "Wow, this is actually incredible! This is something original. We've never had anything like that." And then the the hundred dollar question what's in it and just the great visual gag because when he just looks at the bar and there's 30 open bottles and different concoctions and things there and he's like two parts um and he just starts to cry yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah and that's all and that's all we get for the rest of the bar for the whole episode right right yeah yeah because when we go back um <laughs> the Sam and Diane, they have their, they, they get their checks, and or, or sorry, Sam and Darlene, he gets their checks, and like you see, like he paid for, he only gets like two dollars, like two singles back from the check, and he mentions like paying like two hundred dollars for the meal or something. So I, there's this little bit where he walks out, he uh, he taps the major D on the shoulder, and he goes, ah, Paul, memorable, like that's his one, his one line, his one comment to the staff. <laughs> like he thinks that's something the doctor would say, like the sophisticated occasion. Yeah. <laughs> then he said he he makes sure that Diane can get a seat because she she passed out, she fell asleep on the couch. Her date Jordan left because he, he's mad. She's like, we can do this. He's like, no, I'm not playing this game anymore. Right now, a bucket of extra crispy sounds good to me. <laughs> he had a good line when he storms out. So and you, got, and you got to admire Diane's never say die attitude. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, because she's at the she Sam gets her at the table. Like they're like, yeah, sure, we'll do anything for you, Doctor Weinstein. So she sits down there. And they're like, would you like to see the menu? She's like, no, I've memorized it. <laughs> and they're like ready to close. So she orders one thing. They're like, no, that's off. We don't have anything like that. She's like, well, what, what do you? How about this? And they're like, nope, we're all out of that too. And she, I love her attitude. Let's attack this from another angle, shall we? 
Indignant Diane is the best. Yeah, yeah. They, they, the only thing that they have left are like these veal cutlets. They're like fricadelle or yeah, like fricadelle de Voon or something. And she's like, great, I'm gonna fricadelle. fricadelle moon. Moon. <laughs> <laughs> um and then Sam comes back and I, I mean, it's it's nice that he, he put his date away. He sits down with her. He wants to keep her company. And, and I like this whole thing. The one thing that I was kind of like, he doesn't just get like a, a dessert. He asks the, the chef to whip him up something special. Like he wants a whole other meal or something like that. And I mean, Frazier did mention that the portions are too small, but I just I kind of thought I was like, uh, all just, right, maybe. <laughs> just Yeah, you just ate a full dinner. Yeah, <laughs> that part was a little hard to believe, but it it sets up the end when they both get their check because he mentioned that he's like, you know, you're gonna have to pay for your own, so they're going Dutch, so they get separate checks, and he of course he has no more cash to pay for hers, and she just gets like the good line. He's like, "Good night, Doctor Weinstein. See you in surgery." And the way she does it, just like twisting the knife, and then and it's good. And 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 just as we said, you know, what Sam did to her was below the belt. This is a little below the belt here too. <laughs> <laughs> leaving him sort of to, you know the, at, at the mercy of the mater d right but this is i mean ultimately this is how it had to go sam needed to get his comeuppance oh definitely because of, because of ruining her di- her dinner because of yeah. canceling her date like he needed to actually get it's smacked the, down and the fact that he was able to passably impersonate this doctor for a it's dinner the, like it's, it's it's perfect karma yeah he, he needed it he needed yeah. this, this bad karma so of course <laughs> he's out of money and he has to give him the credit card and he's like this says sam malone and he's and he tells the major d he's like yeah i, I bumped into that malone guy he's like you you've heard of him right baseball player the guy's like no never heard no. of him <laughs> <laughs> and this made her d his delivery is perfect too it's the perfect, yeah yeah just very, so deadpan yeah absolutely um and then it just ends with uh with sam like well here how about this and he just points to something he's like look at the size of that cat and takes off and runs <laughs> what what a stupid distraction exactly. he's been he's been so clever this whole man now, now all i can think is look at the size of that cat i know i know that's funny <laughs> so yeah i, I mean just oh, gosh like for some reason like whenever like i'm looking at the list of the episodes i'm like dr runs now like, oh yeah this episode's so so but watching it again i'm like no this is funny and like the fact that uh woody described that that one drink the roman tromix as a palate cleanser this feels a little bit like a palate cleanser for the sam and diane relationship yeah i feel of- i feel like in the first part of season five they're really trying hard and like D- diane is a little is very unbearable and sam's really you know it's almost like they're sort of pod versions of each other in the first few episodes of this season this is the yeah. first episode where it's kind of like they finally feel like sam and diane again yeah yeah and it, you're yeah absolutely you're right it does feel like a more vintage sam and diane mm-hmm. so, uh the one other little note that i had uh, it's a little known fact for like i i I'm sure he was just meant as a as an extra, and they weren't ever meant to draw any attention to it. But Phil, the elderly barfly guy, who's like, I will eventually kind of have some lines later in the show. He's actually at the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, Rhea Perlman's dad. Yeah, yeah, he's like at the, one of the back tables and everything like that. 
Yeah, yeah, because I don't think he's not uh, he's not a full blown member of the bar yet. I don't think that comes until the Rebecca years. Yeah, I mean he show he's been in, been around. He shows up from time to time yeah. in the episodes. Like he, I think he was he was at the bar earlier in this episode. So I guess they just needed another extra in the restaurant mm-hmm. scene. And, um, he can he can pass as both a bar fly and somebody in a fancy restaurant. I guess more than anybody. there you go. There you go. So for Norm's tab. Um, despite all of the like the little drinks and did, did he uh, even cup- drink a beer in this episode? I, I give him credit for having at least three beers in oh, front okay. of him, and I think it's just because of every time they changed the time when they would cut back to the bar, and it was like mm. an hour later or something. Okay. He had a beer in front of him, so it was always a fresh one. So I did give him credit for three beers in this episode, uh, which brings him up to four hundred and fifteen for the series. Mm. For the employee of the week, as I as I teased, it was. It was Sam and Diane very neck and neck. Ultimately, I think just because of the nature of having to put on the facade, I do think this was a more Sam episode. So mm. I gave it to Ted Dance. I gave it to Sam. Um, but Diane was really good too. And it's it's probably because I haven't been able to like Diane this season that she, she really impressed me. But yeah, I, I gave it to Sam for this one. I I volleyed back and forth between the two of them too, but I, I, I was the other side. I went with Diane okay. for this one. And I think just because her the her story is wrapped up so beautifully like you mentioned at the end you know and just just she she gets she gets these wonderful one-liners she delivers them incredibly and she has that wonderful exit at the end of the episode so she gets sort of the nice button on the on the whole situation yeah i do i do love that line just that see you in surgery it's something very acidic about that line (laughs) um but for my home run, I, I do think, I mean, all of it, I, I, I think probably that when she comes in in a rush, Dr. Weinstein, my date needs medical attention. Can you help? And he just, my food just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> because, because you're right. It's not, just, it's not just his line, his reaction. It's the way you see Dr. Fisher and these other people in the restaurant look at him. Like, right. what? <laughs> That yeah, that that's a good one. That's a good one. My mine though, for some reason, when I watched this one, the line that made me laugh the most was "Great, I'm in a fricadel mood." That, that too. That, that was oh, that was so good. <laughs> but but see, when surgery is also up there, and also I yeah. think uh, the Norm's line about eat is also a great one. <laughs> yeah, even even the setup to the fricadel thing, just like the way she kind of. Let's attack this from another <laughs> angle, shall we? Like that seems like a more canny Diane that we haven't seen right. in a little while. And yeah. then, and then, and then, on the beach is another one. <laughs> yeah. And and sashay your way over to the colonel. I mean, there's a lot of good ones in this episode. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Brandon, thank you for helping me cover this episode. Where else can people hear you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere? Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, I'm part of the Front Row Network with NPR Illinois Community Voices. I uh, I host a show called Front Row Classics, um, which is all about classic film and television. Um, we we discuss usually a couple movies every month. I've been able to uh, interview some really great people. I just interviewed Ben Mankiewicz from Turner Classic Movies last month, um, and then um, I, I've got a couple other great interviews coming up. As as well so you can find us um anywhere you can find podcasts on uh, front row just look up front row classics podcast and you'll find us um we're on facebook uh we're on instagram at frn classics pod and then we also have an email classics frn at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of us 
All right. Very, very cool. Thank you again for being on this episode. And thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, we're closed. Would you like to hear our menu? Thank you. No, I've memorized it. (laughs) I'll have the tuna del Rossini. I'm sorry we're all out of that. Uh, then I'll have the jambon farci et braise. Well, once again, I'm sorry. Let's attack this from another direction. <laughs> you tell me what you have left. Fricadelle de Beau Island Great. I'm in a fricadelle mood. <laughs> 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 <laughs>